What's going on? Tim. Missing? Tim, don't think the worst. It's only a few hours. Anything could have delayed them. Master Bruce, I just saw the news. Tim's... Alfred. Oh, you know. My parents. There are any number of possible explanations, Tim. They might have changed their plans, headed for one of the other islands, or gone back to Antigua, or... Or crashed. Well, yes, that is a possibility, Master Tim. But that's all it is. One among many. Never fear the worst until it actually happens. Be strong. Be patient. Um, yeah. If, if, if you want me, I'll be in my room. Tim... Uh... Uh, sir, if I may be so bold... I should console him, Alfred. His parents, for God's sakes. I should know better than anyone. It may be wiser to leave him for a while. He needs to be able to adjust. And if the worst does come to the worst, you should know better than anyone that no one else can really help. I have to be strong. I have to be patient. I have to be there when he needs me. But he forgot to tell me. The heroes cry. You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. You like the Drake? I love the Drake. Welcome to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake, comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers. This podcast is going to be taking a look at Tim Drake, my favorite Robin. We'll be taking a look at Tim's first appearance in Batman Year 3, that's Batman 436, and working our way through Tim's training all the way to Tim's ongoing Robin series that went 183 issues. So sit back and relax and find out why everyone loves the Drake. Good for them. Love the Drake. Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 9. We're one episode away from number 10. It's uh, kind of one of those that I was thinking, oh, I wonder how many of these I'll get to do. And thinking, oh, gee, if I can just do 10 episodes, that'd be great. Uh, uh, Granted, I'm going to uh, keep trekking on as long as I humanly possibly can. Uh, This is going to move into phase 2 of uh, Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake. Uh, the first uh, phase was kind of like the introduction of Tim Drake, uh, obviously starting in year three and going through Lonely Place of Dying. And then uh, now in phase two, we're going to kind of take a look at the uh, big giant steps that uh, Tim is going to be taking to becoming officially Robin the Boy or Teen Wonder, I guess would be in this case. Okay, at this point, it is time for viewer listener email. Dear friend, I like to start my notes to you as if we're already in the middle of a conversation. I pretend that we're the oldest and dearest friends as opposed to what we actually are. People who don't know each other's names. And met in a chat room where we both claimed we'd never been before. All right, we have another email here from Terry. He posted this as a comment over on the BatmanUniverse.net. Your home for all things Batman 
and Robin and other members of the Bat family. Uh, you can check out everything over there at the BatmanUniverse.net. Great site, great host site to be able to host my podcast for me. So thanks everybody over at the Batman Universe. Go check them out. Uh, you can leave uh, comments over at the Batman Universe, over on iTunes or Windows, whatever device you're listening to. Or uh, the uh, Robin Everyone Loves the Drake Facebook page. You can post comments there as well. Uh, so this is a uh, comment from Terry. It says, Hi, Rob. Another great episode. I'm loving listening to these early Tim stories. Just wanted to tell you that completely uh, coincidental, I went to a secondhand uh, bookstore close by that sometimes has comics right after, I, right after I listened to the last episode where you covered the conclusion of Lonely Place of Dying. As I was browsing through the old issues, I found the issues of Year 3 and Lonely Place of Dying all marked for a dollar each. That's a sweet deal. I uh, love getting a hold of some uh, old comics for a dollar or even, you know, a, a quarter. That's even even better, but a buck. That's great. Uh, went through and read them all and enjoyed them even more, having listened to your thoughts and reactions. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you, Terry. Um, I, too, I, even as I'm doing the podcast, I'm going through and picking up some older issues uh, to fill holes. So, like, right now, I'm kind of picking up the main Robin story that we're actually going to be uh, <laughs> striving towards. And uh, like I've mentioned, this is uh, phase one and phase uh, phase two uh, so far. Uh, this is where we're going to be kind of doing some uh, jumping uh, to kind of complete uh, Tim's uh, overall training and just kind of what he was uh, doing uh, before becoming Robin and before the series really kind of uh, this podcast gets its feet planted into the Robin comic. Um, I have been asked if I'm going to do any Young Justice or Teen Titans uh, comics. Uh, Young Justice, a lot of us, when you say Young Justice, we think of the cartoon show, but there was an actual Young Justice uh, comic book that the cartoon series kind of took its uh, steps from. Um, as a whole, I'm not going to really uh you know do a robin issue then a teen titans and then uh i'm gonna be picking basically we're gonna stay in the robin comic for the most part unless there are those things that really tie into tim's personality that have a greater impact uh, like i've mentioned before uh inside of the robin comic series that won 183 issues we will be looking at you know uh crossing overarching stories that went into Batman, Detective Comics, Nightwing, Catwoman, uh, Azrael, and all, all those type of things. So there will be other issues that will go in. Uh, but I kind of want to keep things uh, streamlined. Uh, I, I do have plans for some Teen Titans uh, issues that uh, are really uh, Tim-centered that really then kind of impact his own uh, solo title. And then Young Justice here or there, or maybe when I get to some uh, anniversary uh, issues, or maybe like when we hit like twenty episode episode twenty, we'll do a look at you know Young Justice or uh, a Teen Titans book. So the story, uh, the two stories we're going to be looking at today is part of the Rite of Passage story featured in Detective Comics, and uh, as much as uh, Lonely Place of Dying meant a lot to me, um, I thought I was doing a, a decent job keeping up with Tim in the comics, but uh, I still wasn't buying comics regularly, so uh, this part of Tim's uh, life I 
I have, uh, you know, some holes here, but in kind of doing uh, just some research on Tim, um, I'm picking the uh, trademark uh, moments for Tim rather than uh, going through and doing every issue that Tim appears in. In some cases, Tim only appears in two or three panels here or maybe a page here just to kind of give the reader the nod that, hey, Tim is still around and he's kind of going through uh, some training stuff with either Alfred or Dick or even Bruce himself. But at this point in the story, uh, of Tim's story actually, is going to be taking place in uh, Ju July of 1990 is when the uh, uh, cover date of this book is. And thanks to uh, Mike's Amazing World here, um, it, of course, the, that's what the cover date says. Uh, but the on sale date is June 5th, 1990 for Detective Comics 618. So we'll be taking a look at 618 and 619 today in the Rite of Passage a story. And I used a Dream Theater song way back early in the beginning of uh, Robin Everyone Loves the Drake titled Rite of Passage, and I kind of thought that was fitting for you know Dick Grayson at that time becoming uh, Robin. But the title of that song really kind of fits here, so I'll have to pick something else to do the intro music for. Uh, but this is... Uh, other than Tim just getting some training uh, here or there, this is the, uh, I guess, defining moment. Uh, each of the Robins have had their moment where uh, something has propelled them into becoming the hero. It's Dick Grayson's parents uh, falling from the trapeze, and that was what leads him to becoming uh, Robin. Jason's parents... Uh, depending on which uh, DC continuity you're <laughs> looking at. But since we're in this continuity, you know, it's his parents uh, being gone or uh, dead and uh, him being a street thug and Batman take him in. It's it's that moment for him. Uh, it, Tim really kind of has too. It's him uh, seeing, uh, being at the circus for uh, Dick's parents and then kind of reading up about Dick afterwards and him finding out who... Uh, Batman and Robin are, so you could say that the lonely place of dying was his moment, but uh, what the three Robins have in common uh, up to this point is they have all lost their parents, that something has happened to them, and uh, Tim is uh, the one Robin who, as, aside from Jason, is the one Robin that, while he was Robin, had at least one of his parents around, so this is a story that... Uh, uh, Tim's life kind of parallels Bruce a little bit in that he's a, a young, rich kid, comes from a very wealthy family, the Drakes, but uh, his family is not like Bruce's family was, even though Bruce was a little bit younger. Uh, Bruce's parents obviously very much uh, loved each other. They took pride and care in, into the city. But in this story, we kind of catch the Drakes probably at the end of their marriage. I would assume we'll get to talk about that uh, after we get through the synopsis of the stories. But it's it's a different take uh, from, I guess, the Bruce Wayne archetype that, you know, my parents are rich, I'm rich, and they're, uh, they love each other, they're working towards the city, and the Drakes obviously have money, they're very wealthy, but uh, their uh, love for each other, even their respect for each other, and for their son is all, all kind of skewed into the business. So the business is really getting in the way of the family dynamic for the Drakes. And we'll, we'll talk again, we'll talk about that, but this was a story that was really under the radar for me, uh, as I was, 
um, you know, kind of reading comics, and I really didn't start picking up comics on a monthly or weekly basis until uh, Nightfall, and that's where my uh, collection really started to grow. So I would go to the comic book store when when I had the availability because I was just you know able to drive, but it was one of those if I wanted to go gallivanting around, mom and dad would say, "Oh no, you don't need to be taking the car, or going and buying your comic books," you know unless you're going to the store to go get groceries or something like that for us. Or, you know, if I had a purpose to go, then maybe I could sneak off to the comic book store. But when I did go, it was, um, I would just pick up the, whatever issue of Batman or, or detective comics, uh, was there. And I would look for Tim. And if I didn't see, uh, Tim very prominent in the book, I, I didn't buy it. Even though it was Batman, it really had to be a Batman story that really grabbed my attention. Or if there were, you know, a decent amount of panels that was kind of devoted to Tim. So, you know, back before the days of the internet, you know, you could look and get the preview of like, oh, Tim Drake's uh, learning to train. So uh, I actually, what, I don't have these uh, issues from uh, Detective Comics, but what I do have is a Robin trade paperback called uh, Tragedy and Triumph, and this was at my local comic book store. And from what I hear, that this is a very rare uh, trade, as you know, the Robin comic wasn't uh, printed yet at this point. It was just a a series of Robin stories that DC thought well people might enjoy reading this. So what this is is. This came out in 1993, so I think I got this with some graduation money. I graduated in 93, so I believe this is a June-July type of a uh, publishing. It's the only copyright I can kind of see here is from, uh, uh, it says 1993. But it's the uh, Rite of Passage story, and then it is uh, Robin the Joker's Wild Two, or Robin Two, the Joker's Wild, rather. So yes, there was a Robin comic out, but it was the mini series. So I found it kind of uh, odd, and I'm, I'm thankful that they put uh, Rite of Passage in here. But I thought they might have put uh, the first Robin mini series, which we will get to here uh, fairly shortly, actually. And uh, Robin Two, I thought would have been a really good companion. Um, Piece, but uh, they chose a Tragedy and Triumph, or Tragedy and Triumph, that's the name of the book, Rob. Uh, they chose a Rite of Passage, which actually works really good. We're, we're seeing the, the final push for uh, Tim Drake that is this the life that you are really wanting to choose? Up until then, I think for Tim, it's just been kind of dress up and it's been kind of fun. Uh, hopefully getting to put the Robin costume on soon. But now there is something personally uh, terrible that's going to happen to his life. And is this something he is uh, really wanting to pursue? So without further ado, let's get into episode number nine of Robin Everyone Loves the Drake. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the show.
Episode number nine, Rite of Passage, part one. Detective Comics number 816, cover date late July 1990, on sale date June 5th. 1990. Cover price was a dollar. Writers Alan Grant, penciler, and cover art by Norm Brayfogle. Inker Dan Giordano. Letters by Todd Clean. And colorist is Adrian Roy. Batman created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. And the editor is Denny O'Neill. Shadows on the Sun. Tim stands in front of the Jason Todd Robin memorial costume and begins to think of what it must be like to be a hero. He knows he can be a hero. He knows that if he continues to train hard and do what is asked, it won't be long until he can put on the Robin costume once again and fight at Batman's side full time. An alarm goes off on the back computer. This pulls Tim out of his daydream and he rushes over to Batman that is already investigating the sound. Tim asks, is it him? Batman says, not entirely. The computer is just alerting them to a possible suspect that fits the MO. It pulls up the name of Reynolds, a security guard. He used an assumed name to get the job and is wanted in connection for fraud. Tim says that a security guard should not be the person that has bank data access codes and has made off with the bank's and the client's money over the past few weeks, $10 million worth. Tim wonders where he's shipping the money off to. Batman says that when Reynolds gets off of work, he will have the Batman to deal with. In Haiti, a man sits on the floor in front of a chained locked cabinet, starting a voodoo ritual when his son enters the room with a video camera trying to capture the moment on film. The father scolds his son and tells him to never open the cabinet. He is too young to know or to understand what is going on. This is a man's business. The father takes the camera away from his son and heads out the door. The boy sits in front of the cabinet, alone. Back in the Batcave, Alfred brings in the mail. One piece is a postcard for Tim. It's from his parents. Tim is excited to see it until it's just like all the rest. They are off on a business trip in the Caribbean, and they'll be back in a week. Or two. Or maybe later. That's just how they are. They're always off somewhere. He never knows for how long or where or when they'll be back. Bruce tells Tim that they are important people with important jobs. Tim says that, well, if this will help with all the arguments lately then, they can stay away for months. In a private jet, the Drakes and their assistant Jeremy are having a discussion through Jeremy. You know, Jeremy, tell Mrs. Drake to look out the window at Haiti. Mrs. Drake, Mr. Drake says, I heard him, Jeremy. You tell Mr. Drake that I don't want to look out the window. Mr. Drake, Mrs. Drake says, you get the idea of what's going on inside the plane. At this lovely conversation is going on about the instability in Haiti and all this voodoo nonsense that's going on. The pilot is having his own issues. What he thinks is the control tower is really voodoo at work. He's being commanded to land the plane in Haiti, and if he doesn't, a voodoo doll will be used on him, and a needle will go through his eye. The Obeya man knows what the pilot believes in and will get what he wants. The pilot quickly descends, and the Drakes know right away that something is going wrong. As they land, they see a villagers approach the side of the plane with torches. They know they are in deep, deep trouble. Batman tracks down Reynolds. The money he is taking electronically, it's almost like the money was never even really there. Batman can see Reynolds is talking to Willie the Hat and can see that Reynolds isn't taking the money 
He's raiding the vaults for jewels and selling them back out on the street, and Willie ends up buying some of the very same jewels he just bought before. Apparently things aren't going well for Reynolds. Batman knows that they're not connected to the case that he's working on, but tonight there will be a few less thugs on the street. Meanwhile, the Drakes, Jeremy, and the pilot are taken hostage. The Haitians destroy the plane and kill the pilot. And the remaining three, the two Drakes and Jeremy, are marched through the jungle to a nearby camp, where they come face to face with the Obeah Man. Welcome to Haiti, Mr. and Mrs. Drake. In the Batcave, Batman and Tim talk about the case, and Tim says that he has hacked into the bank's computers to help watch the activity, to hopefully catch the crook. Tim turns on the TV to watch the latest Sherlock Holmes mystery when he hears a broadcast about his parents' missing plane. More on that London bombing later. Finally in the Caribbean, there is still no word on the plane carrying Gotham industrialist Jack Drake and his wife Janet. The plane which was set off from Antigua this morning should have landed in Kingston several hours ago. More news as we have it. Now, before our classic night of detective movies, a word from our... Batman and Alfred comfort Tim, telling them that maybe they changed the plane's course and went somewhere else. The broadcast said that the plane just didn't arrive at the scheduled destination. At this point, the bat computer beeps again. Batman goes to the computer and starts to track down the bank fraud and can see that the money is leaving the account. It's... Wayne Tech? One million dollars leaves Wayne Tech as Batman tries to stop the program, but the system is overridden by... The Money Spider. Alfred comforts Tim to not fear the worst until it happens. Tim heads to his room, and when he gets there, he tells himself to be strong, be patient. But Batman forgot to tell him one thing. Do heroes cry? Okay, that was the synopsis for uh, 618. Uh, Rather than talk about 618, let's go right into 619, and then we'll talk about both issues together. So let's get on to the next synopsis. You inhuman brute. That was cold-blooded murder. Oh, my God. Jeremy, all that blood. If my hands were free, I'd do nothing, Mr. Drake. For I would call down the spirit Loas to defend me. <laughs> Baron Samdi and Papa Legba are on my side. <laughs> you may fool your followers with that voodoo nonsense, but it doesn't frighten me. And I'll see you pay. Damn you. If it takes every cent I own in the rest of my life, I'll see that you pay. Mr. Drake, every cent you own will soon be mine. And as for your lifespan, well, do not count on it being long if your company fails to pay your ransom. But don't worry. Once they see the video I have made, once they see how willingly I cut the throat of your companion and drained his blood, they will know that the Obiaman man makes no idle threats. <laughs> Rite of Passage Part 2 is in Detective Comics 817. Cover date is early August 1990. On sale date is June 26, 1990. Cover price was a dollar. And the writing team and creative team for this book is exactly the same, except the letters this time are done by... The inker, excuse me, is done by Steve Mitchell. And of course, Batman is created by Bob Kane and sometimes the uncredited Bill Finger. But I'm going to continue to credit Bill Finger... Beyond belief, in the Obeah Man's medicine shop, the Drakes are tied to the chairs sitting around a table, with the Obeah Man sitting above them. 
Jeremy has been cut across the throat and is also tied in a chair, but he is dead. Jack Drake yells at the Obeah Man for killing Jeremy. Pointed at the Drakes is a TV camera. It has been recording everything. The Obeya Man is counting on the Drakes' uh, business to pay the ransom to free them. They will be sending the tape to show how serious they are. The Obeya Man gives the tape to one of his men to make sure it gets to the Drakes' company. In the Batcave, Bruce Wayne is talking to the authorities about the Drakes. They say that the search has been called off for the night but will resume tomorrow. Batman heads up to Wayne Manor, still in costume, and meets Alfred at the stairs to Tim's room. Batman takes the tray of food and tea from Alfred and takes it into Tim's room himself. Batman says to Tim that the police will resume the search in the morning and to be strong, not only for himself, but for his parents' sake as well. Tim says while Batman is out, he will look into the money spider case. He needs to be strong, and it will be a good distraction to keep his mind off his parents if that's even possible. In Haiti, Pierre, the young boy from earlier, is having bad dreams about his father's demon, Baca. The demon is coming for both of them, and he is wakened by his father screaming Baca's name. The monster is none of the young boy's concern, and he is to stay out of the cabinet, stay away from the cabinet. His father leaves, but something is still bothering the boy. Something from the cabinet. After rounding up some thugs that night, Batman spots the bat signal and heads over to police headquarters. He arrives in Commissioner Gordon's office. There, they have a tape from Haiti. Batman and Gordon quickly see what is going on, and they can see the killing of Jeremy on the film as well. Ten million dollars is requested, or the Drakes will suffer the same fate. Batman takes the tape to look for more clues back in the Batcave. Gordon tells Batman that the Drakes have a no-ransom clause in their company. Jack Drake wrote the clause himself no money for any employee for any reason whatsoever. Batman says he can see the point. Once you allow that, it opens the door to kidnapping any executive and holding anybody for ransom. But if they don't pay, they will die. Batman smells an odor on the tape. It's a mixture of Jimson weed. Some of the products are used in smoking to help with asthma. In the Batcave, Tim questions Batman's priorities. There must be a bigger case than Tim's missing parents. Alfred quickly calms the young boy down, and Tim says he knows that's not true, and that he's just tired and worried, and heads back up to his room. Batman comes out of the shadows once Tim has gone upstairs. He tells Alfred what he has learned from the Drake situation, and tells Alfred for right now he is not to say anything to Tim until he can find more answers. Batman replays the tape over and over, analyzing every frame. He notices a row of jars in the back. One of them has a giant centipede. He walks over to the library and starts to see where the species might be from. The Obeya men and his men prepare for the fire ceremony in two days, digging a large, round, circled trench. The Drakes start to talk about their plight in hopes that the Drakes company recants their no policy clause. All they can do now is wait. And if nobody pays the ransom, Jack Drake says, then I'll just have to fire them. Back in the Batcave, while Batman is looking for the location of the Drakes, Tim has slipped back down to the Batcave and sees the monitor replaying the tape. He sees what's going on with his parents. Tim is enraged with Batman, stating that he knew what was going on, and you were keeping this from me? Batman tells Tim to get it out of his system. In the midst of his yelling at Batman, he catches a glimpse of the Robin costume, and instantly Tim remembers to be rational. Stay calm. All right, tell me what you know. Batman tells Tim that the tape says that they are a gorilla outfit. 
that is responsible for the kidnapping of the Drakes, but Batman knows that this is just a smokescreen. The centipede on the film is used by Voodoo Medicine Man. The Obeya Man, it's a symbol of their power, and that they are in Haiti. Tim is eager to go, but Batman says it'll be like looking for a needle in a haystack. They need to wait for the specifics of a ransom demand before they can act. Batman receives a call and then hangs up the phone abruptly and grabs the videotape from the Bat computer and heads off to the Batmobile. He didn't have the heart to tell Tim it was Gordon on the phone. The Drakes had the ransom call. They have the information. Tim had gone through enough tonight. Alone in the Batcave, Alfred and Tim look at the Robin costume. Tim says that Dick's parents died and that gave the world Robin. Jason's too. Maybe it's something all the Robins have to go through. Alfred says, heaven forbid, don't even think of that. Not ever. Up next, Trial by Fire. Tune in tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel. Okay, that was a look at 618 and 619, the part one and part two of Rite of Passage that took place in Detective Comics 618 and 619. Uh, Like I said, uh, I didn't read these when they initially came out. I'm actually uh, reading them from uh, the Robin Tragedy and Triumph trade paperback that collects the Rite of Passage storyline and then the Joker's Wild storyline. So... Uh, right away, uh, this was something, uh, th- this is the reason why I picked up this book. Uh, I saw the, uh, Robin and Joker artwork on the front of the book and I thought, oh, it's the, you know, it- an image from the Joker's Wild and I saw Tragedy and Triumph, but I realized it was a little bit thicker than I read the little, uh, line at the bottom. It said, including storylines, Rite of Passage and Joker's Wild. So uh, I thought, oh, I hadn't heard of Rite of Passage and I, uh, I said I picked it up after I graduated in uh, 1993. There's showing my age there <laughs> a little bit. Uh, but, uh, I-, I was just instantly enthralled with this story of, uh, you know, could I be uh, entertained by the Tim Drake character and there not be really any Robin uh, stuff written here? Uh, Alan Grant, I think, just wrote a really good story. And uh, Alan Grant has uh, said before that a lot of his run, that he didn't use a lot of the main Batman villains, that he kind of felt uh, shackled by them, that he had to follow a certain archetype of the villains and thought, well, you know, if he's fighting the Joker, then the Joker and Batman have to act a certain way. So he kind of felt uh, contained by that. So a lot of his stories, he created his own villains, and Anarchy uh, being one of them, my, one of my favorites, and then came up with the Obey Man, and then ties this in to uh, Tim Drake's, uh, you know, uh, one called origin story, but his you know middle ground story before coming Robin and uh, the uh, tragedy that will soon befall the Drakes, or at least one of them. Spoilers. <laughs> um, it really uh, grounds uh, Tim um, and kind of makes him a uh, a special Robin out of the whole uh, bunch with having you know being the costumed crime fighter while still maintaining you know a son that uh, really kind of reminded me of the you know, Peter Parker aspect, you know, with like kind of Aunt May that, you know, he, he's still a student. He still has, you know, a, a parent figure and he's going out and fighting crime, but that's, we're jumping a little bit farther ahead here. But uh, a, a scene that 
the opening. Uh, first, let's talk about the uh, artwork from uh, Norm Brayfogle. I love uh, Norm Brayfogle's kind of exaggeration and some liberties that he takes with uh, Batman, depending on how he's uh, drawing uh, him. If he's uh, standing very stoic, it's a, a lot of straight lines, uh, kind of like we see in the cover here down at the very bottom with Alfred, uh, Batman, and uh, Tim Drake down here. And Tim is still in like, his red jacket and... Uh, uh, brown uh, pants. <laughs> it's kind of like the the typical, it'd be like the animated series uh, type of a look for a character. Like they only have one suit. So this is what Tim <laughs> wears as just everyday clothing for quite a while. But eventually, you know, he'll get out of these clothings. But I think on the covers, they always tend to draw him uh, the same way. But uh, what Norm Brayfogle does very well, and we'll kind of look at it through uh, some of the other uh, pages in the book here, is that when Batman's in a fighting pose, it becomes these really jagged and sharp, like, razor lines, and I think it's just so cool. And then the ears start to get really elongated, and I think it's just a, a nice... Uh, a real, a nice drastic look between the more stoic Batman and the uh, fighting and frenzied uh, Batman, which you would kind of think this is how the criminals kind of uh, view Batman. It's just being very sharp and very fast. So I really like that. Uh, but, you know, on the front of the cover, we have... Um, I about said Baron Samadhi <laughs> from James Bond, uh, that kind of a, a look. But for the Obeya man here, they have like the, you know, voodoo type, you know, imagery kind of going on in, in the background. So, and then we have, the, you know, the Drake's plane and then kind of them uh, inside the Batcave. So this is a really kind of cool and interesting cover. Uh, the uh, first panel of the book is like a, a big splash page for the title, Rite of Passage, where you see the Tyrannosaurus Rex in the Batcave, the giant penny, and then the uh, memorial of Jason Todd Robin, a good soldier, you know, as, as the placard reads, with the Robin costume in the uh, vault here. And this becomes a a prominent feature in every Batcave after, you know, uh, I would say after this point, but shortly after Death of the Family, and I guess almost more importantly in The Lonely Place of Dying, that this just becomes a staple that every artist will put the Jason Todd Robin costume in there, um, and rightfully so, but it's just one of those things now in uh, Bat fans' uh, minds that uh, this is always there, so I, I see it in dioramas, and with some of the action figures and things that I have around here, I have like a Robin memorial case, and that's kind of now into the new 52 been kind of given to Damien, which I think makes it even uh, even more special or, or, or saddening now that, you know, Jason Todd's alive. But, you know, we kind of dipped in the new 52 there, but we'll, we'll go back into the pre-new 52 or my 52 or however many books there were. Uh, this is the second time we see in the story of Tim Drake, where uh, an artist has uh, put Tim uh, back in the Robin costume as Tim is kind of uh, daydreaming a little bit in the Batcave of, you know, that he can do it, he could be this hero, and he'll he'll be really great at it, and uh, kind of before, you know, tragedy uh, befalls Tim. And uh, uh, they still haven't... Uh, nailed down uh, Tim's uh, spiky 90s hair yet. He kind of almost has the Jason Todd like double cowlick uh, going on here still right now. But uh, I love Bray Fogel's uh, Robin here and the panel that I like, the third panel, uh, 
you have to pardon me because I'm reading this from the uh, Robin Tragedy and Triumph. So it's page eight for me. I'm not exactly sure what page it is uh, for you. It appears uh, that they still have put the uh, pages in the bottom corners where they should be. Uh, so it looks like it's page two for you guys if you have the actual issues. If not, then uh, I apologize. But the third panel here with... Uh, you have like the second panel with Tim kind of in his white t-shirt looking up at the trophy case. And then they draw Tim in the uh, traditional Robin costume. But the way the, the yellow cape is coming out of the panel and then going down into the big larger panel on the bottom of page two here, um, that's kind of framing uh, the action of, you know, Robin fighting Killer Croc or Robin Tim Drake fighting Killer Croc and the Penguin and the Joker and dragging some thugs off. Um I love, love this uh, page. I remember back in 93 reading it, I would just stare at this page and I would uh, draw it and uh, think, oh, I can't wait to see Tim Drake in this Robin costume. And little do we know that this is probably going to be the very last time we see Tim Drake portrayed in this Robin costume. And I think we get such a great, great costume, but we'll... We'll talk about that. I'll probably be talking about that immensely once we get to that issue where Tim puts on his Robin costume for the very first time. Um, at the bottom of page three here, uh, nine for me if you have the trade, uh, we have the other wardrobe cases that are in the the bat caves you kind of see the the robin case but we really uh can't see some of the other ones are just kind of in you know uh almost silhouette but we do see a very old uh looks like a the dr hurt uh batman costume from the batman and robin comic book or another variation of the batman costume that is from a uh, previous continuity so i like that they kind of threw those uh, little like easter eggs here um now, moving on in through the book, we have uh, the father and son in Haiti. And uh, this father is actually, uh, he's not named yet in the story that we are up to uh, at this point. But uh, he's the one that will eventually uh, deliver the tape to, um, I guess, the Drakes, uh, th this gets the tapes uh, out to uh, the Drakes organization so they can go on with the ransom. But uh, we find out that the father here, uh, I didn't mention in the synopsis, but he has asthma or something like that. So he's smoking a little reefer, <laughs> uh, whatever mixture was to help him. It's uh, Some people, you know, obviously do that for cancer and different type of things uh, like that to help take the pain away. So uh, the you know, son is able to go get the uh, father's stash, but uh, the boy is very intrigued. Uh, about voodoo and uh, what his father's doing and the father's very dismissive to tell him you know this is uh, this is this is a man's world you don't need to be doing this but like with most kids uh you tell a kid no don't do something um especially if it looks somewhat enticing it's it's a weird and a hard line to cross to be able to say look this is something i'm doing you're not old enough yet you shouldn't be doing this so don't do what i'm doing uh in some cases that pushes kids to uh, want to do those uh, very things that their parents are uh, not wanting them to do and we have here on the bottom of page six, Tim receiving his uh, postcard from his parents. And uh, in one minute, Tim is very excited to get the postcard. And the next, it's more of, oh, great, you know, uh, mom and dad are off, you know, gallivanting around for business. It, it's the, you know, Tim's at Wayne Manor. Granted, he's having probably a blast at Wayne Manor. He's getting to dress up like Batman and Robin. But I don't care who you are as a kid. There's that point. 
you could be doing one of the best activities you could do, but you probably still miss your parents. And this has probably been a long-standing uh, thing that has been happening to, to Tim over and over again, that his parents are always too busy for him. And then when they are together, they fight like cats and dogs. And Tim is just kind of relaying that to Batman. Oh, great. They're in the Caribbean. And, you know, if, if this is helping them, then fine. It's better than them arguing. And if, if they're happy, then they can stay away for months because if, if they're having a good time, then that means they're not arguing. If they're not arguing, that means they're not uh, fighting over me or they're not totally, totally neglecting me. So it's a little bit of, uh, I think the word I want to use is dichotomy or uh, almost a yin and the yang for Bruce and Tim. If you put Bruce at that age that Tim is, if his, if Bruce's parents are still alive, go with me on this, uh, Bruce's parents were still very much involved in Bruce's life, and they everything they did was for not only for the betterment of Gotham City, but for the betterment of Bruce Wayne uh, himself. And uh, I would believe to think that Tim's parents think that they're doing the right thing for their son, that they're they're putting him at a boarding school, they're giving him a good education, and they're getting the Drake legacy, you know, going probably. I would half think to be like the Waynes, you know, we, we have money like the Waynes too. Well, maybe not like redonkulous amount of money like the Waynes have, but uh, enough that, you know, they have their own private jet and it's not really stated right now uh, in Tim's story. We'll find out later kind of what Jack Drake, uh, what his company does and uh, is doing. It's nothing shady. It's just rather boring, but still um, it's, I think Bruce tries to empathize with Tim a little bit here saying, you know, they're important people. They have important jobs uh, trying to think of like, well, my parents were working and busy, but uh, Tim's older than Bruce was when he lost his parents. So I think Tim can kind of see kind of what's going on. The longer they're working there, they're using these excuses to not have to come back to the real world and deal with the real problems. If we go out on these business trips, it'll seem fun. We can act like we're having fun. But as we find out in the pay, in the uh, next page, it's kind of anything but that for the Drakes there. I mentioned it in the very beginning that they're probably at the beginning of the end of their marriage it's it's probably broken down to this point that she's only going on these trips to save face for him you know you have the husband and wife team together that they're using their i would assume it's probably jack's secretary as the mediary between the two of them that they're not even really uh speaking uh to one another personally and i could just remember growing up with uh, two sisters and putting our <laughs> middle sister or my, our youngest sister between my middle sister and i and say can you tell kim to roll down the window kim rob says you know that whole thing which uh, this always kind of made me laugh uh, that I can remember me and my sisters kind of doing this with one another. Like, I'm not going to speak to you. I'm going to speak to somebody else through you, knowing very well that you can hear exactly what I say, but I'm not going to dignify uh, your response to you personally. And it's it's an it's an underhanded uh, slap in the face, and uh, that you can't even personally talk to another human being without you know having a mediary or you know doing it through a text message i'm i'm one of those people it's like pick up the bloody phone and call and talk to me so i can hear your voice i think this is even worse than that that i can fully hear you and see you you're right next to you i can talk to you but 
I'm not even going uh, for that uh, moment. And uh, I half wonder, you know, as we're talking about fictional characters here, if this trip would have gone without incident, would they have gotten back to Gotham City and saying, well, Tim, your mother and I are are planning on separating. And that might have been uh, interesting, too, had uh, what's going to happen at the end of the story which I don't think I have to say spoilers to know that something happens to one of the two of them. If Tim did have two parents, so not only being uh, Robin, but to have two parents that he has to make appearances for and uh, fight crime. So that might've been kind of interesting too, but um, we'll find out a little bit later. Their conversation is kind of going over Haiti and, uh, right about at that time, the Obeya man's influences into the pilot, and we get a little bit of voodoo work, and uh, the pilot is like, oh, hell no. <laughs> We're going to land this plane. We're going to land it right now. And, uh, you know, the Drakes are captured. And that was a little bit of a uh, misdirection by Alan Grant, which I think was kind of uh, cool here, um, that we start to bring in another uh, Batman villain kind of uh, in, a, in a little bit. It's kind of putting these uh, seeds in here. Uh, with the money spider, uh, but the misdirection thinking that the security guard is the thing that uh, they're trying to track down uh, this money for. And uh, Batman finds out pretty quickly that it's not really the security guard at the bank that uh, is taking the money. So um, now they're kind of back to square one. Uh, Kind of moving through the panels here, we are on page 15 looks like i think it's 15 for you guys again i apologize that's page 21 for me as i could clearly see but the uh drakes being uh kidnapped and taken through they uh destroy the plane to make sure if for some crazy reason that the drakes are able to escape and get away uh from the camp or from the obey man they're going to make sure that they're not going to fly out of there. They, they destroy the plane. And what better way to make sure if the plane is not completely destroyed, but we can kind of tell the wings are snapped off and things like that, or maybe there's another plane on the island. Uh, what's the best thing to do is to uh, kill the only pilot that they really know because the pilot has served his purpose. And uh, so now that you put that sense of fear, like, great, there's, there's no way off the island unless there's an, an outside force or we can find somebody else so that really kind of locks in and makes the drake situation that much more um uh, detrimental i guess you could say we have the first appearance of the obey man in the comic here um at the top of page 17 and uh, very much like the voodoo medicine man that you would think about. And uh, me being a big James Bond fan, I, I instantly kind of see, uh, you know, the Baron Samadhi uh, references in here. So this um, it's, it's really kind of cool. This story will, uh, I always like the Batman stories that end up putting Batman outside of Gotham city. And this is really, really going to do that. And then here in the, uh, Top of page 18s and uh, 19, both panel, both pages is the uh, revelation uh, for Tim that uh, his parents' plane did not make it uh, safely to its destination, or at least didn't arrive. It's it's missing somewhere. So uh, even with a plane from uh, Malaysia uh, recently in the past, you know, few months here of the missing plane, the uh, fear of dread and somebody, you know, trying to comfort you and tell you, well, maybe just the plane just it decided to divert somewhere else and it hasn't been logged in yet. 
but just that gut-wrenching feeling that uh, you might have of like something is horribly wrong, you know, at least for a private plane that uh, this doesn't happen to mom and dad. Uh, they may change their courses, but they're probably still in contact uh, with their son on, on some level. So while that's going on, you have the money spider that we'll find out here in the next page is, you know, kind of wreaking havoc. So you get uh, Tim's dilemma going on at the same time, the case that they're trying to track down with the money disappearing from uh, various people throughout Gotham, Gotham City, as I can't say Gotham, right? <laughs> Gotham, um, that now the money spider has... A, tacked in or tapped in to uh, Wayne Enterprises and takes a million dollars from Wayne Enterprises and is able to hack and override uh, Bruce Wayne's, you know, encryption. And it says, bye-bye. I love the money spider. So this is kind of one of those first little hints of a, another Batman villain that uh, Norm, not Norm Brayfogle, Alan Grant uh, comes up with. And what's going to end... Uh, here on 21 and 22 is uh, Tim just kind of retreating up to his bedroom and uh, trying to figure out how he's going to piece, you know, all this information together. He's, he's wanting to help Batman. He's wanting to, you know, be the crime fighter, but now he has, his parents are missing. And Alfred is quickly to point out that uh, who better to know uh, what Tim is going through than you, if something happens to his parents, you're going to have to be the one to explain things to him or to be there to comfort him. And what another one of these things that I really like about Tim, that Tim keeps telling himself he has to be strong, he has to be patient, you know, he has to be there when Batman needs him. You know, he, he wants this job uh, very much, and he wants to be the best that he can be for Batman. But at the same time, something horrible is probably happening to his parents and Tim can't do anything about it. And I love the line here. He, uh, he forgot to tell me, or he forgot to tell me, do heroes cry? And I, I like that. You don't think of the, the heroes as, ha as having a, a soft side. And I uh, will argue all day long and say, I think Batman has a very soft side. He puts on this hard exterior, but uh, for a lot of times that people say, well, Batman's a douche, you know, <laughs> He's got no heart. He has no soul. I would look at it from the opposite. I would say that he absolutely has one, but he puts on this heart exterior to do the things that he has to do because he cares so much. And I totally can see that uh, Batman, the, the, the things that he's going to do to try and help Tim here will really show that Batman does care, does have a heart, and does have a soul. And those are just more traits that Tim brings into his own personality. So we'll move on to uh, 619 here. Uh, another uh, cover from uh, Alan Grant. I didn't like this one as much. You know, kind of Batman looking at a um, a cell here that you would put under uh, a, a microscope and you see all the chemicals and things back there. It's uh, a kind of a, a boring cover, not much going on. It, it wouldn't be one of these covers that I'm going to, if I would see on the you know, comic shelf at a local comic book store, I would rush right over and go, oh, that's that's such an amazing cover. I've got to pick this book up. There's not much going on other than Batman going, hmm, a sample of blood. Uh, you do get a shot of uh, Tim Drake at the computer uh, in the 
uh, background. You can kind of see the uh, Jason Todd Robin memorial costume also in the background. We have uh, on the uh, opening now, my pages are starting to lose their page numbers from the uh, the way the trade is put together, but uh, would be on page one, page 30 for me, we have the Obey a Man here sitting on a table on uh, up, up above the Drakes and Jeremy and uh, I had the audio drama that you can hear a couple little pieces in here in the audio drama they go through you know kind of the uh, killing of Jeremy so there's a little bit more uh, you know dialogue of uh, listen for the uh, listener so they can kind of understand what's going on but in the comic uh, you can already tell that there's blood on his uh, on the Obey a man's knife and Jeremy's head is kind of uh, slumped over. So it, I think we've seen something like this uh, in a lot of TV shows or, you know, cop shows where, you know, they end up killing somebody to kind of make the point to say, look, this is what we can do. And they're videotaping it in the Obey a Man is going to use the Drake since they're, you know, so wealthy and they were happen to be flying over Haiti so they can get uh, the amount of money that they want, the $10 million and, uh, is showing that uh, they are in control and they're going to, uh, you know, kind of wreak havoc with uh, America through, you know, this type of extortion. Now, it's not uh, drawn very well here, at least for us to kind of really know who it is, but the Obey Man is throwing the tape of kind of the kidnapping of the Drakes and the killing of Jeremy uh, to one of his henchmen here, that it, it took me a, a few reads to kind of look at it and tell that this is the uh, guy from the very uh, beginning of the story that has the asthma but you know kind of worshiping in front of the uh, locked up cabinet that uh, Batman makes a reference to uh, the jasmine weed kind of being on the tape and that's from the guy that was smoking because there was asthma so uh, that took a little bit and that was actually a part I kind of left out in the synopsis but after a while it kind of plays back into effect here so uh, it's kind of the game of you know what do you put in I, I, I don't want to try and do every single panel uh, it would just be a straight up read so there are a few things that you know you try to kind of omit for the sake of time but at least this way we can kind of you know talk about it so if I'm understanding that right, this is the you know boy's father that is working for the Obey a Man, uh, that is you know probably taking the tape to uh, well, I think they would have a post office in Haiti that you know then mails it out to the Drake's company, et cetera, et cetera. But you have the uh, Drake's here in the uh, middle of page three, kind of talking uh, to each other about their plight, and I think this would be the moment had their flight gone without incident. I think their relationship would have gone a different direction, but I think this is their moment of, we might not get out of this. They just killed Jeremy, and we'll find out a little bit later that the uh, Drake Corporation or whatever, uh, because of Jack Drake, has said, you know, they are not paying a ransom for anybody. So if you're kidnapped or whatever, uh, the company is not going to, you know, write a blank check to, you know, save your life. And, you know, wouldn't it, isn't it kind of ironic that the person that came up with this policy is in fact the person and the person's wife that is actually kidnapped. So this is their moment of kind of maybe reconnecting, like, you know, all this aside, you know, th this could be our, you know, our last night together. And uh, they're kind of getting closer, so um, we will have to wait and see what happens to the Drakes. Uh, something you uh, don't see too uh, very much in the uh, page three is Batman uh, 
being around in the Batcave in you know his uh, costume. I think later on, as uh, we get closer to Nightfall, uh, that is something that Alfred is very adamant that you know you don't wear the costume uh, above ground in the house. You need to keep Batman separate and Bruce Wayne separate. But this is one of those that Bruce comes in, or Batman, excuse me, comes in through uh, the clock and takes the tea and the food up to Tim uh, to talk to him and see how he's doing. And uh, I think it's also the disguise for uh, Bruce Wayne to, he can hide behind the cowl. And Tim even makes mention of that, that he kept the cowl on. Uh, it's it's Bruce's safeguard for himself emotionally that, you know, I know this is tough for Tim and, uh, you know, the Batman costume is, you know, very intimidating, but it's also the shield of armor for Bruce because I'm sure that a lot of this feels very familiar uh, for Bruce as well that, you know, the loss of parents, he knows exactly what Tim is going through that, you know, he doesn't have any answers for Tim. He doesn't really know what to say other than he's sorry and we're, we're going to try uh, our best to find out what's going on. The search has been called off for the day, but we're, we'll get into it. And then uh, the guy that was delivering the tape, this would be his uh, son here. So I'm assuming that he uh, went, uh, probably dropped off the tape, went back home, saw his son. Uh, this part is just a little a little odd here of how this all kind of connects in a little bit. As we get through the story, we'll kind of see where these pieces of the, the boy and the father kind of uh, go back together. But again, at the uh, top of page eight, we have the boy kind of looking at the chained cabinet, like what's in there. Um, one of the images I was talking about of Norm Brayfogle's uh, Batman that I really liked is in the middle of page eight with Batman kind of soaring above the city. You see this jagged uh, drawing of Batman with like the razor sharp uh, bat wings here uh, from his cape. Uh, I just love that type of imagery uh, that Brayfogle would take liberties with uh, the Batman costume and just really make it uh, dynamic. It's just very, very cool. And we have uh, some fighting scenes here. You can kind of see how uh, dynamic uh, Bray Fogle just makes uh, Batman's ears and his capes. And they're all just real um, straight, jagged lines with maybe like a swooping part of the cape up at the top of page 10, I think is really cool. Um, then we have uh, Batman getting to see the tape with Commissioner Gordon uh, for the first time of what happened to Jeremy. And uh, I like the way they kind of have it drawn here, the top of page uh, 11 here with the four panels of the you know video footage of what's happening to uh, Jeremy and then uh, the way that Bray Fogle chose to draw the last panel of Jeremy getting his uh, throat slit where the um, more than half of that little tiny panel is uh, covered in red supposed to be you know showing the blood what I I guess you could uh, take this the leap that uh, it's the knife uh, causing the blood from the neck to kind of splatter to the camera lens. But, you know, they're not uh, really showing that, which is really kind of uh, tasteful to do. I think in comics now we would probably see every single cut uh, that we that they could probably show. And I think there's, uh, there's something to be said for uh, leaving the... Uh, be up to the imagination of the person that's reading it or viewing it. We don't have to see every single little detail. Uh, sometimes your mind can come up with imagery that may be 10 times more scary than what they show you. So I, I kind of like that, uh, how they uh, plotted this out. Uh, 
And we have uh, Batman kind of digging it, uh, taking a little dig at Commissioner Gordon here. The Batman can smell the uh, faint odor of the uh, Jimson weed. And Commissioner Gordon says, I didn't notice any order. And <laughs> Batman firing back like, well, maybe it's because you're smoking. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you've you've uh, shot your you know senses because of your smoking. So it's a little a public service announcement from Batman on the dangers of smoking. Um, he quotes, uh, Batman quotes, uh, Sherlock Holmes here. I'll read the quote. It says Sherlock Holmes once suggested that a man needs to recognize at least seventy-five perfumes before he can even begin to call himself a detective. So, you know, Batman is able to tell us, the reader, that ah, he can even do more than that. So, to show you how, um, you know, strong of a detective Batman is, and then we go back to Haiti with uh, after Batman tells us what that is, we in fact see that that's what. Uh, the man from Haiti with his uh, boy, now it appears to be two boys out of the middle of nowhere, uh, are dealing with the cabinet. He's you know smoking this for asthma relief or, or cancer or whatever uh, he has, and he chases off his sons. And um, So this is the, the little side story that's kind of weaving in and out to tell you kind of what's going on in Haiti while this is going on. Uh, we have the relationship with uh, Jack and Janet Drake and their son, Batman and Tim, and then this boy and his uh, father from Haiti to kind of show you uh, just the difference between the father and son's uh, relations with their uh, kids, which I think is uh, really kind of cool for uh, Alan Grant to do. We have uh, Batman back in the Batcave analyzing the tape, and even when Commissioner Gordon said, you know, we've looked at it over and over again, and we just can't see anything, of course, Batman's going to find something and finds uh, the centipede. He's able to zoom in and uh, uh, see that this uh, centipede doesn't look like it belongs in North America, and then goes to his library. Uh, this is something that Batman does uh, quite a bit with uh, Alfred or at least some member of the Bat family, but it's generally usually Alfred. And that really puts Alfred at an awkward place, is telling Alfred to not say anything to Tim about the videotape and what happens to uh, Tim's parents, or what could be happening to Tim's parents. Uh, Batman's trying to look out for Tim, but rather than tell somebody, look, this is what's going on. We're just going to keep that person guessing. And this is the one thing about Batman that constantly backfires on him over and over and over again, that Batman feels like he's doing you a favor by not telling you something. But in fact, the very thing that he's trying to not tell you is the thing that will just make you go, okay, yeah, that sucks. I'm going to worry for a second, but you know, at, at least I know what's going on. So, um, What's kind of dumb on Batman's part and Alfred's that while this is going on, Batman has a tape just going over and over and over again. And uh, Tim comes back down from the Wayne Manor into the Batcave and actually sees what's going on here. And uh, so then Batman kind of has to tell him uh, what's going on with his parents. But uh, again, Another, it's another one of these things that I love about the Tim Drake character. As mad as and upset as he is at Batman, and Batman's telling him, you know, fine, you know, let let it out, get your frustrations out. He can pull himself together, and just by catching the glimpse of the Robin costume, and going, okay, tell me everything you know, can put that young detective side into him. Like this is my this is my parents, 
but what do we know? I'm not going to be any help to you by fighting and kicking and screaming. Uh, I'll try and understand what you did later. Let's get to the uh, problem at hand. And I just, I think that just shows the early signs of the great detective that Tim Drake is going to end up being. But just like Batman did a few minutes ago to Tim by trying to keep what was happening uh, away from Tim so he doesn't have to deal with the anger. And I think that's the big thing Batman's trying to do. He knows how hurt he was at his own parents' death. You know, don't don't take yourself down that road. Maybe I can fix this whole thing, and I won't have to tell you that your parents are being held in Haiti, and their assistant has already been killed, and you know there's going to be a ransom. So what does Batman do? The phone rings in the Batcave. It actually is Mr. Gordon saying, yep, we've got the full ransom demands, and kind of, you know, where to send the money and all that type of stuff. And uh, Tim asks, you know, what is it? And Batman says, oh, it's nothing. Takes the tape. You know, so Tim can't watch it anymore and heads off and doesn't tell him that, yes, they have the ransom demands and your parents' company actually has a no ransom policy. So he's trying to save Tim from the uh, the logical rationale of, oh, great, my parents are in Haiti. They've, are, they've been kidnapped. The assistant's been killed. And my dad wrote this stupid policy for not sending ransom money so they can be freed, which means they're going to be killed too. So again, it's, you can kind of understand what Batman is trying to do, but at the same time, people will look at it and go, Batman, geez, you're a dick. You know, this is the kid that you are training to become the next Robin. You're not even letting him in on what's going on, but I'm sure you would have Dick Grayson and Jason Todd being right around the corner going, yeah, dude, I'm telling you, there are so many things we found out after the fact that Bruce didn't want to tell us because he thought he was trying to help us, but he was actually hurting us at the same time. And uh, the uh, final two panels, final three panels here at the uh, uh, bottom of the page here is uh, Tim and Alfred standing in front of the uh, Robin Memorial case. And Tim kind of saying the, you know, the phrase of, you know, Dick Grayson's parents died. And that brought the world Robin and Jason Todd's parents had died. And that uh, led Jason down the road to being Robin. Maybe that's something all the Robins have to have. And Alfred trying to be the reassuring person that uh, uh, Alfred has always been for every boy that has won a worn the Robin outfit or girl eventually is, you know, don't think of that. Don't think of the worst possible outcome think of the best if you start going down the road of the worst possible outcome you will always be thinking of the worst and uh, you'll just become jaded so it's just a, a another beautiful little uh, couple three panels right there so that's going to do it for uh, the uh, synopsis and the read through uh, since i have it in trade paper uh, there are no ads or anything in there so i'm sure there were some um, obviously because uh, you know comics have to have you know some ads in there somewhere but uh, this is a, a really interesting story, I think, and it's a really, really good, solid character piece for Tim. That Tim is on this, you know, roller coaster ride emotionally, and this is something he very, very much wants to do. And even the very beginning part of the story, uh, that uh, Tim was looking at it, the the good things about being a hero that he can do all these wonderful things, and he'll get the training, and it's not. It's not really setting it home for him 
you know, the sacrifices that a hero is going to have to make, or sometimes the things that are going to happen to the hero, or, you know, in any great uh, literature story, the, the things that have to happen to a hero to almost break the hero so the hero can rise as I get all, you know, philosophical here. So from uh, one book to the next, Tim has this roller coaster ride going on of all oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to get this training. I get to put on this costume and I'll go fight crime against. Uh, all these uh, wonderful villains alongside of Batman. And now to a point of like, I just want my parents back, but I, I want to help Batman and, and seeing now what other Robins have gone through and kind of seeing the real dangers. And it's not like Tim can just run down the street and you know, they can track him in Gotham city. They are uh, millions of miles away or thousands of miles away in a completely different country that Batman is not even operating in. How How is this going to be resolved? And uh, I think Alan Grant does a great, great job with telling the story. And um, I'm kind of curious to see what Alan Grant is currently, you know, doing. Um, as I'm saying this, I'm going, gotcha, I hope he hasn't passed away <laughs> or something like that, where somebody's like, gee, Rob, way to pay attention. Alan Grant's been gone for 10 years. But, uh, I've, I really loved Alan Grant and Norm Brayfogle's run in Detective Comics, and uh, I've been going back through the uh, the dollar bins, the quarter bins, and things like that, looking for Alan Grant uh, stories, and uh, this was one of the very first Alan Grant uh, Batman stories I had ever read, and uh, is a great, great Tim Drake uh, character piece, and uh, he does a really good job of you know staying... Uh, with the Drakes and staying with Tim and really putting some very strong foundational things that uh, will remain in place for Tim Drake through the entire run of the Robin uh, comic series. And not only the Robin comic series, but any writer that uh, wrote about Tim Drake used some of these very uh, same pieces uh, from this particular story that goes all the way through. Um, it, they're obviously not in the New 52. I would kind of hope they would retcon some of that. But it's uh, very cool that for the 20 years of Tim Drake's uh, existence uh, before the New 52, uh, that uh, these hallmark pieces of uh, Tim's uh, story from this uh, particular series of Rite of Passage stayed all the way through the entire run. So thanks for listening to this uh, episode, and uh, we will see you guys in a couple weeks for episode number 10 of Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake comic podcast. Until then, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake comic podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, and I am making no money from it. Much to the displeasure of my wife. Sorry, babe. So no infringement is intended by this show. This also applies to all music and sound clips, as they have their own copyright holders as well. You can now find this podcast on iTunes and Windows Media as well. There you can rate and leave a comment to the show and subscribe. I hope that you do. You can also find me on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. You can send a message there as well. If you'd like to email, you can do so by sending me one at r10myers at yahoo.com. That's R as in Robin, 10myers at yahoo.com. And I'll read your emails on the air.
make sure that you head over to the batmanuniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thank you for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care. <laughs>